Welcome, 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 welcome. If you are a guest here today, we welcome you. I know some of you probably came to see the cuteness that was already on the stage. I cannot promise you going forward that that cuteness is going to catch up and be remaining, but uh, we're going <laughs> to do our best to keep you engaged uh, at the rest of this service. It's Christmas Eve. Can you believe that it's already Christmas Eve? This time next week will be the end of another year. Can you believe that? Uh, it's, it's amazing to me that time just seems to implode the older you get, right? When, when, when I was a kid, man, it seemed like it took forever to get to Christmas. Now, you know, Glenn, I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus, but it, Glenn <laughs> texted me yesterday and said, are you done Christmas shopping? I said, yeah, and you better be. <laughs> it's, <laughs> I'm not sure what, what you're going to get at this point in time. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's one of those things where every time you turn around, it's another Sunday, right? Uh, but this morning, I'm going uh, I'm, I'm to bring a word. I'm not going to try to keep you very long. I do appreciate you coming. Uh, those of you that are guests here, we welcome you. We hope you'll give us another chance. We hope that this won't just be a one-time uh, event for you, that you'll, you'll try us again. And, and we'll treat you so many different ways, you're bound to like one of them. So, so just keep, uh, make, make it, a, make it a, a goal of yours to get back here maybe next week. I know if you've been visiting the last few weeks, church has been different. We've been doing Christmas at the movies. Uh, that's, that's all going away, and, and we'll get back to more church uh, like our usual. Our usual church is still unusual compared to a lot of churches. But we, <laughs> amen. <laughs> But we'll get back to our usual church. Now, this morning I'm going to take my text out of the Gospel of Luke. Uh, I'll, I'll reveal to you the sermon title after we read the Scriptures together. We have a tradition here that we don't always keep, but when I can, I like to. And that is that we like to stand for the reading of the Word of God. So Luke chapter 2 uh, is a familiar passage of text that you're going to recognize immediately because it is... Part of what's called the Christmas story, and we're going to examine what is going on here in the first seven verses of Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was a governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. They had to go back. You think paying taxes is tough now. They all had to travel to their homelands, no matter how far away it was, to be counted and a census taken so they could pay taxes. And you just got to write a painful check and mail it in. Another sermon for another time. Verse 4, and because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. The reason I mention that is because in our sermon this morning, we're going to find out exactly how far that trip was. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. Oh! <gasps> scandalous they're not even married yet and we're in church on Sunday talking about there's an engagement and now she's already impregnated somebody needs to slap somebody and say that ain't right no don't do that don't do that verse 6 
And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. That's good. At least she didn't already have a mess of youngins. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because, and this is important for my sermon, there was no lodging available for them. This story starts the night before Jesus was born. It ends after he was born. My sermon this morning is titled, The Night Before God Shows Up. The night before God shows up. We're going to talk about Mary's experience, Joseph's experience, the night before Jesus was born. Before you see it, why don't you turn to three or four people and tell them, I'm glad to see you here. Will you do that? I realize many of you are probably tight for time. Some of you have already told me that you have to leave early. Uh, I know there's some people that are out today because they are sick. Unfortunately, some people have COVID. Uh, I'm glad that even though this is the season for sharing, they decided to stay home and not give that to any of you. This is the Kanichiwa season around Promise of Victory. Because Jesus and germs are everywhere. We like to greet you like this. This text that I just read to you, if you're around church very often, even if you're not around church, if you just read Hallmark cards this time of year, if you watch any of the specials on television, this text has become so common to us that we often miss what kind of miracles took place here. And, and I'm, I'm going to begin this morning by telling you that I've been a Christian for several years, a few decades now, God never ceases to amaze me. The things that God does, never I never take him for granted because he just shows himself to be mighty and strong over and over and over again in places that I do not realize that he's even working until I look back. I, I said until I look back. Because it's easy for me to tell where God has been. It's not always as easy for me to tell where he is. This is my sermon this morning. It's always easy for me to look back and say, that was God. That, that must have been Him because I couldn't make it happen. Nobody else was willing to help me. That had to be God. It's easy for me to see where He was. It's not always as easy for me to see where He is and what He's doing right now. Because we see His work after it's finished, yes? And, and, and I think that most of you would agree that our test of faith doesn't happen with where he's been, but before he shows up. The night before God shows up can be the most trying tests of your faith. Because if you put it in context of Mary's relationship here with Jesus and the night before God came, she has carried this child for nine months. 
We're not exactly sure how long it was before Gabriel announced to her that she was going to bear this child. So we don't really know. It could have been as long as a year, maybe longer, since she first heard about a promise until she held a promise. Oh, I'm looking for somebody to preach to already. She was made a promise a long time before she held a promise. And you and I will go through our greatest tests of faith the night before. Because it's been a long time coming. Somebody say amen. Some of you are holding on to promises that were made to you long ago. And you do not know when it's going to show up. You don't know how it's going to show up. And by the time you get to the point where you are the night before, you have been holding on for a long, long time. Christmas Eve is a special time for a whole lot of people, mainly because of traditions, right? Christmas Eve is, is one of those times where I have more traditions growing up on Christmas Eve than I did Christmas Day. Christmas Day was just kind of chaos. Paper flying everywhere, uh, turkey uh, coming out of the oven, and, 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 and people complaining about all the stuff that had gone wrong. But Christmas Eve was always the, the night where everything seemed to be serene. There's anticipation, right? There's, there's stuff happening. As, as a matter of fact, uh, some, of you, some of you have traditions that you've already done. We try to do this every year for our church family. This is a family. Israel already mentioned that to you. This is a family, and we try to have Christmas Eve service no matter what day of the week it falls on. This, this year it happened to fall on Sunday. We was going to have church anyway. But we try to have a Christmas Eve service for our church family. Some of you have traditions. I... I don't know why, but every year at Christmas, I drink eggnog. I don't know why, because after I start drinking, I'm like, I don't even really like this. But I keep drinking it because I feel like I'm supposed to drink eggnog at Christmas because my mother started that tradition with me. We had another tradition when I was a little kid. I got to open one present on Christmas Eve. Any of y'all parents do that to your kids? Shame on you. Because my mother, blessed saint that she was, would like, because we didn't have a whole lot of money growing up, my mom wrapped everything. I mean, she would wrap up a pair of socks, call that a present. I remember one year very distinctly, me being excited because I knew that Christmas Eve I got to open one gift. She didn't let me choose the gift. She always handed me the gift. I remember very distinctly one year when I was in third grade, my mother giving me a gift to open. I was so excited to open a toy to play with, and I, it would take me through to bedtime, and I'd get up in the morning and open the rest of my presents, and I opened up a brand new pair of Mickey Mouse pajama pants. I say pajama pants because the shirt was another present under the... Split that set up and give me two presents, she called it. My mama would buy me little toys that took batteries. She would wrap the batteries and let me open the batteries first. One Christmas Eve, I opened four C-size batteries. Yay! Thanks, Mom. Merry Christmas. I don't know what they go to. I got to wait till the morning to find out what I'm going to plug these things into. I got to go to bed with anticipation. I can't wait to see what these C-sized batteries get into in the morning. 
Some of you parents need to take notes. <laughs> Don't do that to your kids. I'm still wounded over this stuff. We need to realize, because what happens, we read this story about Mary and Joseph, and we think their Christmas Eve was as comfortable as ours. We'll transpose our experience over top of their story. And the thing is, when we look at their Christmas Eve experience, we got to realize that there were some things going on with them that probably most of you aren't going through. Let's start with the obvious. Mary was pregnant. And not just pregnant, real pregnant. I'm talking days away from having the baby. Some of you brothers that have been through this experience. My wife and I have had three children. She had all three of them because we're old-fashioned. But I was right there. And my experience and her experience are different. The stuff she remembers and the stuff I remember are different. When we tell the story of her pregnancies, we have different tales. She talks about morning sicknesses and back cramps and swollen ankles. I talk about getting woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning with tears running down her face and I want Funyuns. And I say, I need to get up in an hour and a half and go to work. She said, I don't care. I need Funyuns. So I'm going to talk about what happens the night before God shows up. But of course, we're going to use the story of Christmas found in Luke as a backdrop for a story about you. Because the night before God shows up in your life can feel like a long night. It, it, you have waited a long season to just to get to that night. You have eager anticipation. You know something good is about to happen, but you don't know exactly when. And it takes some faith to hold on to that moment. The first thing I want to talk to you about this morning is on the night before God shows up, don't be surprised if you encounter some rocky roads. I'm not talking about ice cream, even though a pregnant woman might enjoy some Rocky Road ice cream. As soon as the angel announced to Mary that she was going to have a baby, her life drastically changed. And you know as well as I know, the announcement of I'm pregnant comes with a certain level of excitement, which is soon followed by some other emotions. Yeah, you get afraid, you get tormented, you start having sleepless nights, there's a whole lot of emotions flowing. But Mary had a different experience than all of you women in this room. Because her answer to the angel, he came in with that pregnancy test. He says, it's positive. She said, how can this be? Since I have never been with a man. The angel says, you are going to be visited by the Holy Spirit. And you're going to be given a child in your womb. And you will give birth to the Savior of the world. And you know what her answer was? The same as all of you faith-filled women in here. Let it be. I know all of you women are so close to God, that would have been your answer too. Let it be. 
say as according to your word. That's what Mary said. Mary received the word. What a response. And how many of you would have been like, uh, no? I mean, let's, let's break this down because I know, listen, I know, and if you are, are in this room, and I know several of you are, you were either raised Catholic or you are Catholic. I, I understand our, our Catholic brothers and sisters hold Mary in, in a, in a there, there's a status given to her. I, I'm about to hurt your feelings. Because you got to think Mary was human. And if you were made that gift by heaven, just think about what your response would be. We're told the very human responses that both of them had. When Joseph found out about Mary being pregnant, even though he was engaged to her, come on brothers, don't leave me up here by myself. His response was, Mary, we need to have a talk. What do you mean you're pregnant? Because we haven't got married yet. And if you are pregnant, the Bible says Joseph was going to put her away, which basically means he was trying to do it privately, but he was going to break the engagement. He was going to send her off somewhere where nobody would know about this scandal. It's a scandal. Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, is being born, and it is coming as a scandal. And the Bible tells us that Mary received it, but Joseph had doubts. When she told Joseph, he goes into full stroke-out mode. He plans to put her away until the same angel that talked to Mary came and talked to him and said, this thing is of God. Now Joseph gets to go to work every day and hear all the people talking about his fiance who's pregnant by God. Can you imagine how Joseph felt? Because he's now convinced. She is convinced. But come on now. You've lived enough days to know you wouldn't be convinced that this old girl got pregnant by the Holy Ghost. There's rumors flying around, and then there's this census going on, which means she and Joseph have to travel 85 miles on a donkey in the third trimester. Brothers, don't you leave me up here by myself. My wife had air conditioning and leather seats and was uncomfortable in the third trimester. There was nights that I thought she was going to rip my eyeballs out of my skull and we had central air. Mary is in a desert on a donkey, nine months pregnant, traveling across heat and cold, probably chickens running around, there's people coming and going, bounce, 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 bounce. These are fun times. They're on their way through 85 miles. Can you imagine how long it would take to walk 85 miles, ride on a donkey? I know a lot of people have this image of Mary being this perfect woman that just grins and takes whatever life throws at her and is never stressed about everything, anything. But I guarantee Everybody gets stressed, even Mary. So I'm a man. I've been through this process three times, and I know what Joseph is facing. 
And he's trying to say as little as possible. A wise man knows when to keep his trap shut. He's trying to do whatever it takes to make her smile. And this is Joseph's hometown. I can hear Joseph now saying, baby, listen, when we get to town, I know this perfect lodge. We're going to get the honeymoon suite. I'm going to put you up. There's a spa downstairs. I'm going to hook you up with a massage in the morning. It's going to be great, Mary. Please, please just understand. I know you're uncomfortable, when we, but when we get there, we, we, we're going to have big screen TVs. we got a swimming pool and a hot tub. Room service is going to come. Mary, room service. And Joseph parks the donkey and he goes in and asks for the honeymoon suite. Any of you brothers had to go in with one plan, come out with another plan? Y'all going to leave me up here all by myself. It's Christmas, guys. Come on, be charitable. Have you ever had her heart set on one thing? Have you talked up a big game? Went in, found out the game has changed. <laughs> and you got to come back out and tell that's a long walk back to the car, ain't it, brothers? He got to walk back out to this donkey and tell her, Mary, I'm sure it didn't have anything to do with us having to stop at every rest stop. But we got here late. I know your pregnant bladder is not the reason why we are getting here later than everybody else, but all the rooms are taken, and I'm sorry we're not going to get the lodge and the honeymoon suite. As, as a matter of fact, there's no hot tub where we're going. They, they did hook us up, though. We, we're we're, we're going to go. I, I tell you what, we got a plan. We got a plan. Me and Ann keep coming up with a plan. I slipped him some money. I, I ain't going to leave you, baby, out in the cold. We got, we got a, we're going we to go in the barn. This is a third trimester pregnant woman who just traveled 85 miles on a donkey what you mean you're taking me into a barn you have done lost your mind if you think that I am going to spend tonight in a barn beside of some stinky cow you have got to be kidding me here are the parents of Jesus who was handpicked by God to raise the Savior of the world and they are on a rocky road. Yes, because this is a rough start to their promise. You need to understand that the night before God shows up, it's often the most rocky, the most difficult. The night before God shows up in your life is some of the hardest paths that you will ever have to take. And here's what I take away from this lesson. God uses imperfect people, puts them in un imperfect circumstances to get great things out of them. The second lesson I want to teach you on Christmas Eve is that the night before God shows up, what you see often contradicts what God has promised. When you get closest to your promise, you have waited a long time. You have been engaged for a long time. You have, been, uh, you have been convinced for a long time. You have looked foolish because people thought you should have gave up and you refused to give up. You kept believing God. You kept trusting in His Word. You kept holding on to His promise. And people have told you for a long time, you should have gave up by now. And you have just kept on keeping on. But I promise you, the night before He shows up, that will be your greatest test. Because you will start to look around your life and say, this is not 
what you promised me. He promised them that the king of kings was going to be born. What am I doing in a dirty, stinking barn? What am I doing surrounded by cattle and sheep when he told me I was going to be surrounded by a king? None of this makes sense. Your hardest contradictions will come when your promise does not match your reality. Joseph was promised a palace. God told him that he would be in a palace and all he saw for 12 years was a prison cell for a crime he didn't commit. Abraham was promised by God to be the father of a mighty nation. But what he saw was years go by until he was too old to have a child and so was his wife and no explanation came from heaven. We also read the Bible that David was promised a throne. God brought him out of the sheep field. Samuel anointed him as the next king and then immediately sent him back to the sheep field to clean up after sheep. Because your promise is often contradicted by your reality. Moses was promised that he was going to lead people out of bondage and into freedom. But what he saw was a Red Sea in front of him, Pharaoh's army behind him, wilderness sand beneath him, mountains surrounding him, and impossible situations everywhere he turned. What you are promised is not always what you see. Luke chapter 1 and verse 28, having come in, the angel said to her, rejoice. Look what he calls her. Highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Was Mary blessed? Say yes. Was she favored? Say yes. But does it feel like favor when you're sleeping in a barn? Does it feel like you're blessed when you don't see the reality of the promise that was given to you? See, a promise comes to you and says you are blessed and highly favored. A promise comes to you and says you're the head and not the tail. A promise comes to you and says you're above and not beneath. But your life does not always look like what the promise spoke over you. Your circumstances and your reality doesn't always match what you're holding on to. That, my friends, called faith. If God spoke it and showed up all at the same time, none of us would need faith. But when you need to hold on to faith, is the night before God shows up. It's the night before when nothing looks like what you were promised. The angel spoke to Mary and said, you are blessed and you are favored. She looked around and said, I am stinky and I am dirty. I thought I was getting a hot shower and a hot tub. And I got sheep and chickens. None of this looks like what I was promised. And the third thing I want to teach you is on the night before God finally shows up, heaven often gets quiet. This is the hardest part I have in following God. I'm going to be transparent to you this morning. Because it seems like with me, maybe this is not with you, but with me, it seems like when God gives me a promise, He's real loud. And then he just lets me be. And I'm wandering around going, I know I heard you. I know what you said. Where is it at? And why ain't you saying nothing? Any of your parents ever treat you the way mine did? They told you once. 
And they wasn't expecting to tell you. This generation's different. Y'all, y'all, yeah, listen, listen, listen. The kids today, like you got to tell them now and then remind them again. And then, and then gently remind them later as to not trigger them into their safe space. My dad told me one time in 1983, that was the last time I got told. I was 10 years old. He said, it's your job to get the coal in the wood in every day when it's cold out. He didn't remind me next Tuesday. Until I was 18, I had a perpetual job. He was like the word of the Lord. When his word went out, it did not return to him void. It accomplished that which he sent it out to do. Because he spoke it one time and it was the law. This, this, we, we raised our kids different. I hear, I hear parents in Walmart all the time. No, I said no. I told you to quit. So, there's times I want to step in. Do you mind? <laughs> Give me about 15 minutes with this child. You won't recognize him when I bring him back. <laughs> but... But I'm old school, so I, see, I, that's why I say I hurt y'all's feelings. Because I, my, my parents told me one time, that, that's how they, they spoke one time, and then that was it. I didn't get reminded. I didn't get told again. She didn't leave me notes when I went to school. Please remember to do your chores when you get home. No. No, it wasn't none of that. She let me get up on my own, get myself ready for school. If I let Hannah get up on her own, she would go to school three days a week, a year. It's a different generation. And heaven will do that to you. He'll speak a promise over you and then go quiet. It's like you put into your GPS that you're taking a 420-mile drive. And it tells you, go north for 420 miles. And then as soon as you pull out of your driveway, the arrow points north and the voice stops. That's the way God treats me. Maybe, maybe he, he gives you directions all along the way. But he does me like he did at Jericho. He told him at Jericho, walk around for seven days. And don't say nothing. And then God didn't say nothing. And for seven days, can you imagine walking around the city of Jericho and the people of Jericho's making fun of you? Because all you're doing to bring the walls down is walking around the walls. You're not talking, you're not doing anything, just walking in circles. Are we doing it right? Are we walking? Should we be walking this direction or this direction? Should we hop on one foot? Are we, all he said was walk and don't say nothing. They couldn't even ask questions because he said don't say nothing. That's the way heaven is. Right before God shows up, heaven will just be quiet. That song, Silent Night, that's my faith walk. It's just a perpetual silent night. I'm praying, I'm saying, God, why ain't you showing up? Silent night. God, where's my promise? It's silent night. God, save my kids. Silent night. God, make my wife love me. Silent night. Now, that's another sermon for another time. It's constantly, I'm praying, I'm believing, I'm holding on to God's promises. I find them in the book. I say, God, this is my promise. This is what I believe. Silent night. It's just one perpetual faith journey. And it's all because of this that 
Christmas Eve should remind us of two things. And then I'll let you go. Number one, God is close even when you can't see Him. The night before God shows up, you don't know how close you are to your miracle. You don't know how close you are to your breakthrough. They had traveled all that way. They got their hopes up for a jacuzzi. Her, her, and, her, her and her pregnant self is going to get a manicure and a pedicure. She's getting the spa treatment in the morning. They, they wanted a clean bed, and all they found was a closed door. I would like to find somebody to preach to this morning. Because the night before God came, they were distressed. They were uncomfortable. They were probably a whole lot cranky. Somebody say amen. They were stressed out. They were anxious. You would think that the night before God shows up with your miracle, you would be celebrating and rejoicing and running and shouting, but that's not the reality. The reality is He waits until you are almost completely worn out, and that's when God gets ready to step in. So it's when you can't see Him and you don't think He's even there, that's when you need to realize God shows up most when you feel him the least because Emmanuel God with us was on the way what you often don't know is it's when you're up under stress having a panic attack getting abused by the enemy feeling like things could not possibly get any worse that's when God is the closest to showing up you see how ridiculous of can you, can you just embrace how ridiculous this story is He's the Savior of the world. And He's being born in a barn. He's the King of what? And the Lord of? And He's born in a stable? None of this story makes sense. Who's in here truthful enough this morning to say, none of my story makes sense? How I got here don't make no sense. How I survived all this didn't make no sense. How I haven't lost my mind don't make no sense. How I didn't give up already don't make no sense. All the stuff I've been through, I thought if you'd have shown me 20 years ago that I was going to go through that divorce, if you'd have shown me five years ago I was going to go through bankruptcy, if you would have shown me and revealed to me that I would have fought cancer, that we would have lost mama, that I would have lost my job at 55, I would have thought by now that I would be done, but what? What I went through don't make no sense. I can't believe that the night before God showed up with my greatest miracle that I was feeling Him the least amount. I thought it would have been different than this. I thought I would have felt Him if He was this close. But I didn't feel Him and I didn't see Him and I didn't sense Him. But He was about to break into my reality. When it doesn't make any sense to us, it always makes sense to God. Because he's looking at something bigger than what you're facing right now. He isn't just working on blessing you now. He's planning a good later for you. To the world, it's preposterous that a king would be born in a stable. But to God, yeah, now go help me, but listen. She was expecting a king. And a king shouldn't be born in a stable. I'm going to say it again because some of you know exactly how this feels. A king, my promise, shouldn't be born into this mess. 
If I'm really blessed, if I'm really favored, why do I have all this mess going on? If God is so good, why am I going? If, if I can, if I can uh, pray and God hears my prayers, why is all of this happening in my family? Why are my kids so, if, if this is real, if all of this is, if this book is real, if prayers really work, why, why is my favor and my promise showing up in this mess? Because a king shouldn't be born in a barn, but God don't see what you see. And God says, you think a king shouldn't be born in a barn, but where else would I let my lamb be born? Because you're only looking at one side of the promise. You're only looking at one aspect of the promise and you're picking out what you want to believe and what you want to trust in and you're saying, why would my, why would my king be born in a barn? And he says, he's not just a king. He's also my lamb. And where else would I let my lamb be born except in a barn? Do you realize how much your life would change if you had to walk everywhere you go? I mean, most of you ain't going to be here this morning. But I can tell you this much, you're not going to Monday Night Football over at the park to watch the Steelers play the Browns anymore either. If you got to start three days before to get there, you're sure not going to go watch the Pirates play. You're, if you had to walk everywhere you go, you may only go to some place like Pittsburgh once in your entire lifetime. Because it would take planning, it would take effort to get there. Sometimes the fact that we have things easy makes us forget that things aren't always right just because they're easy. What I need is not a God that's with me when things are easy. Because when things are working the way I want them to work, that's called the morning. And in the morning, everything's okay. The world is at peace. I'm glad when the sun comes up and the sun is rising, and the birds are chirping, all is right with the world, and I'm glad I have God then, but can I tell you that I am thankful for a God that shows up in the midnight hour. I'm thankful for a God that has my back when I can't find my own way out. Just because it's not easy doesn't mean God's not working. God is still working even when I don't see Him and when I don't feel Him. See, 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 I, can I tell you that I, if I'd had any idea what I was going to go through to get to where I'm at, it would have been easy for me to hold on. But I couldn't see this from there. God called my wife and I when we had two kids to move 351 miles to pastor a church with 13 people. And we had to pull our own mobile home to live in. We bought Alyssa's clothes to go to school from the mission. She didn't get new clothes. She didn't get new shoes. We went to the mission in Steubenville and bought her school clothes and our church clothes. And we came to church with mismatched clothes. And I had shoes where when I would get in the altar and pray, I would have to cover my shoe because I had a hole in the bottom of it. And had I known 23 years ago when God was speaking for us to get uncomfortable. 
to pastor 13 people had I known then that we was going to eventually have this big building. We was going to have more people on this stage playing music and singing than we had in the whole church. It would have been easy. But I couldn't see that from where I was. I had to trust that what he said to me was going to bring me all the way through. The problem with having God with you in the night is not that He's not there. The the problem is when you're in the night season, you can't see the morning. Therefore, you don't know how close you are to breaking through. David told us that weeping was going to endure. How long? But Lord, He didn't tell us how long a night can be. Because when I read that as a young Christian, I thought... Well, that's okay. I only sleep by four hours. I didn't realize that sometimes it's a long night. Sometimes the night lasts so long that you lose the car, the house, and your credit score. Sometimes the night lasts so long that you go through two rounds of chemo treatments. Sometimes the night lasts so long you lose mama and daddy. Before the morning comes. I did not know how long the night could be. But the Lord sent me here on Christmas Eve to tell somebody that your night is almost over. Don't give up now. Don't quit believing now. Your night is almost over. He is the God of the night before. He shows up when you least expect Him and when you can least feel Him. You don't see Him right now. You don't know it right now. But your night season is almost over. And I don't know what you have been walking through. And I know probably some of you have been carrying some heavy burdens. I don't know how much uh, you have struggled just to get here this morning. But you are about to experience joy in the morning because weeping may endure for the night but your night is about to end and joy is on the way don't quit don't give up joy is coming see when when Mary and Joseph was knocking on hotel doors they kept getting turned down and turned down they were looking for a blessing hello they were looking for a blessing they kept getting shut down but the same circumstance that brought them to Bethlehem was also triggering a group of wise men. God's always doing stuff you don't know about. The same circumstance that brought them to Bethlehem was triggering a group of wise men to start a journey. That it was going to take three years for them to show up, but when they finally arrived... They brought enough finances. They brought enough blessing. They brought enough favor fit for a king. In other words, church, it may take longer than you want it to. But God's promises are always right on time. I was raised, I wasn't raised on grandma's farm, but I spent a whole lot of summertime there. Some of y'all are grandparents. I just became a grandparent. My little 
Precious Veda's been here with us. And yeah, go ahead and clap for that because not only is Jared and Rachel here, but little Veda's here. I, I just recently become a grandparent. She's not old enough yet to get excited about coming to, to Papa Al's. But some of y'all have been grandparents for a long time. And you know that the grandkids get so excited to come to Grandma and Grandpa's house. And it makes your heart feel good, right? That the grandkids want to come see you. Can I just be vulnerable for a minute? That was not the case when I was a little kid. My daddy would tell me, go to bed early tonight. We're going to Grandma's house. I'd say, oh, no. Not Grandma's house. Because, see, I wasn't going to Grandma's house to sit by her feet while she told me tales. I don't know where y'all got these Norman Rockwell grandmas from. I wasn't going to Grandma's house where she was going to show me how to bake an apple pie and pat me on the head and tell me what a good boy I was. I was going to Grandma's house to work. Work from the time the sun came up to the sun went down. We was going to dig potatoes and we was going to snap beans and we was going to bale hay. He said, let's go to Grandma's house. And I said, do I have to go to Grandma's house? And some of you get excited about going and seeing people and experiencing Christmas with them. But I was never excited about going to that farm in July and August. And I don't know if you've ever been downwind of a hog pen in July and August. And listen, folks, I love bacon. Like, I love bacon. Like, if the doctor ever tells me I have to quit bacon, I'm, I'm praying for the rapture. I love some bacon. I love some bacon. But if you've ever been downwind of the pig pen in July, Mary and Joseph spent the night before God came in a stinky, nasty, dirty barn. Christmas Eve should remind us that even if your world stinks, something good is about to happen. My kids aren't little anymore. As a matter of fact, two of them are grown, and Hannah's trying to get there. I mean, she's struggling. She, she's, I mean, she's busting at the seams to be all grown up. So it's not Christmas changes, right, when kids aren't little? Like, when, when they're little, Christmas is fun. When they're older? Yeah, yeah, because you got to, like, we have to go get Hannah out of bed to have Christmas. When did that become a thing? Because when they were little, they used to come get us out of bed to do Christmas, right? So, so when they get older, things change. But when, when kids are little, they always ask for special presents. And if you're mean like us, you always get the one thing that they really, really, really want, and you don't put it under the tree because they cheat. Cheat. 
case y'all don't know, this is my only son sitting over here who, after they were grown, him and my oldest daughter admitted every time we left the house, they was opening the gifts, rewrapping the gifts. Yeah, scoundrels. So, so, when, so when they get that one thing that they really, really, really want, you know, the Red Rider BB gun, the, the one thing they really, really want, you don't put it under the tree. You, you keep it back, right? You don't put their name on it. it. It don't go under the tree. That way, they go through and they rip everything open, and they think they're not getting it. That brings so much joy to the parents. Like, why do we do... Why do we do that? Why do we hold back the best thing? That we make them think that they're disappointed, right? You're holding out. That what they got is all they're getting. And you're fine with it. It brings you so much joy. Why are you smiling and they're going, yeah, okay, Christmas was okay. Because you already know something good's about to happen. And the reason that God is not as tore up about your circumstances as you are is because he knows that he is the God of the night before. This is the night before the morning, and something good is about to happen in your life. This moment right here, today, this might be the day. I don't know. I can't make that promise. I'm not God. But I will tell you this, Matthew chapter 7 and 11 says that if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, you, heck, you can't even wrap your mind around what God's got in store for you. Those who ask Him. As a matter of fact, all you got to do is look back at the very first Christmas. What did Mary give to the rest of the world? The greatest gift of all. It doesn't make any sense. It's ridiculous. It's ludicrous. You start telling this story to people that's never been in church... They look at you like you've got lobsters crawling out of your ears. Because the story is ridiculous. A little teenage girl had a baby after she'd never been with a man. He's the king and a savior, but she had him in a sable. It's a ridiculous story. But it's the greatest story ever told. But what you have to hold on to is the promise that what he said is going to come true even when he's not talking even when you can't see him and when it feels like you have held on believing longer than you ever thought you would have to he's got one more present sitting over in the corner all the bows have been untied all the ribbons have been displaced all the wrapping paper has been thrown down and you are sitting back saying i guess this is as good as life is ever going to be i don't think i'll ever i don't i guess this is god's promise i guess this is what favor looks like i guess this is all god's got for me and you you have just decided that everything is done and finished and this is as good as life's going to be but God sent me here to encourage somebody this morning and let you know he's got one more present that you haven't opened yet. Because this is the night before God shows up. 
you got to hold on one more moment, one more day, one more time. I'm going to go to church one more time. I'm going to believe one more time. I'm going to pray one more prayer. I'm going to hold on to that scripture one more moment. I'm going to believe the truth one more day, and, and I'm just going to continue. And some of you have just about given up on believing, and I want to encourage you right now because I know Christmas is hard for you because you've lost things and you're suffering and you've got family members that are suffering, but I want to encourage you, hold on to the promises of God because they are yes and amen. They will come to pass. There is nothing too hard for your God. He is the God of the impossible because he's the God of your night before. You have not yet exhausted his promises. Something is about to happen in your life. I don't know how and I don't know when, but something is about to happen. He's got one more present left. He's been holding something back. I don't know why, but you had to get to this moment, and now it's your turn. So some of you that's been holding on and you don't know how much longer you can hold on, this is... This word is for you. I'm speaking life into you. I'm speaking faith into you. I'm speaking strength into you right now. Open up your spirit. Listen to what the Bible tells you. A child is born to you. A Savior is given to you. The government shall be upon his shoulders and to be called wonderful. He's wonderful for you. He's the counselor for you. He's a mighty God for you. He's the Prince of Peace for you this might be the night before God shows up are you going to hold on one more time you going to hold on for one more day one more prayer one more prayer I'm going to sing one more song I'm going to praise him one more time I'm going to shout one more time I'm going to keep trusting one more day I'm going to refuse to give in one more day I'm going to put one foot in front of the other one more time. I don't know how much longer I can do this, but I can do it one more time. I, I don't know how much longer I can hold on, but I can do it one more day. And maybe this is your night before God. When God shows up, everything is made right. I don't even have time to get into it. But when Jesus showed up, the whole world was made right. And your world is about to change when God shows up. Just hold on one more time. Hold on one more day. Trust one more moment. You see all these people coming up here? That means that Christmas to them is different than Christmas for you. Because Christmas to them means God is showing up for me right now, right here, in this moment. And it's not about presents, and it's not about tr lights, and it's not about trees. It's, it's about that gift. He's my Prince of Peace. He's my mighty God. He's my counselor. He's the government of the world, and I, I need God to show up in my morning. So I'm going to hold on in the night. And if you're here tonight and you need help, you need strength, you need to hold on one more night, I invite you to come up to this altar. That's what they're doing up here. They're seeking, they're seeking the strength to hold on one more, one more night. I'm, I'm going to do it one more day. I'm going I'm to. I, I know you're tired. I know you're weary. But one more. Pray one more prayer. Believe one more day. Look at all these people coming. If you're, if you're a member of the prayer team, if you're on the staff here, 
come and help and pray. If you're not in the altar yourself, come and help them pray. Pray strengthen to them. Pray for them to receive the strength they need to hold on. It's dark right now for them. It's dark. They're in a dark season. Come and pray that they're going to hold on until the morning comes. One more time. And you walk me.